Hey everybody, welcome back to Beers and Careers. It's Mark Gustinelli, your host, and as always, Beers and Careers is brought to you by the Davis Companies, www.davis.com. That's D-A-V-I-S-C-O-S.com. Uh, check Davis out if you're looking for the right engineering, manufacturing, or technology slash IT talent. Yes, today, Brian Barnes, uh, president of Isto Biologics, who shares his story of, uh, you know, he's a self-described uh, redneck slash uh, poor learner who paid his way through college and eventually got his PhD from the school that uh, gives out the Nobel Prize. So uh, clearly he went through quite the transformation as he describes it, but he's got a lot of good tips. As a business leader, um, father of uh, two boys, he shares some tips, whether it comes to interviewing for your company, um, how he looks at internships, uh, as well as, you know, for the recent college grad or high school grad, how um, his path changed throughout the way and and how you can really do things early in your life to become well-rounded to help you in the real world. So phenomenal podcast. We also touch on some fun topics like raising boys, et cetera. Um, bear with us the first five, six minutes. We're kind of, we're kind of riffing as we're buddies and we're, we're getting into it. But um, the last, uh, you know, from, from about the minute eight mark on is, uh, is pure gems, uh, including a bunch of good books to check out too. So, um, let us know what you think. I had a blast talking to Brian. Hope you enjoy it. Brian Barnes. Good. Cheers. Cheers. Absolutely. Real quick. Bird dogs and bourbon. Yeah. Bird dogs and bourbon. Tell me real quick. What are we drinking? Oh, okay. So yeah, this is, um, I really got into bourbon a while back and I like uniqueness. Oh, it's oh, I'm telling you. That is good. I like unique bourbons. Something that has a story behind it or is, has a flavor profile that's unique. So mm-hmm. this is, um, a company called Huber Starlight. Okay. It's out of Indiana. A lot of the rye that's in bourbons across the across the country comes out of uh, Lawrenceburg, Indiana. Okay. Which is an old Seagram's factory, actually. And oh, so no, a lot no. of those guys are there. Um, but they produce a lot of the rye that's separated out throughout the, the country into like High West would be that. Yeah. So anyways, Huber Starlight is one of those groups that comes out of there. This is called a cigar batch. So my dad has a bottle of it that... Um, and he's he's shared it with me, yeah. but he got a bottle of it. They opened it up, brand new company kind of thing, and it's just out of this world. Wow. It literally, I mean, you can taste that tobacco, you can yeah. taste that that leather. Um, so I've been looking for it for like a year, and my nephew and I really got into this. And he was down in Lexington. He's, he called me. He's like, "Hey, by the way, they have it down here. The new bottle. This is the rye version of it." Okay. And he's like, "Do you want it? You have to buy extra bottles to get it." Um, I'm like, "Heck yeah, yeah, I want it." So it's it is. Off the charts. It is. It is off the charts. I, so I'm a so big fan yeah. of bourbon, and when I smelled it initially, yeah. So a lot I of the bourbons now are being finished, good. and the, the, these finished bourbons have unique flavors because of what they're finishing them in. It's port, rum barrels, mm-hmm. angels. That means a good example of something that's finished yes. in a rum barrel. Yes, that one's really sweet. I can mm-hmm. drink a half of one, and I'm done with it. Right. This is not like that. At right. All. No, very different and complex. Mm-hmm. Very complex. Yeah. So, well, thanks for bringing your own booze yeah. to the show. Appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. Appreciate it. I like brown wine. Exactly. And thanks for coming on, man. Much appreciated. Yeah, this is great. Um, Brian Barnes uh, is the president of, I was going to, I almost said ITSO again. Yeah. yeah. There you go. <laughs> it's no biologics. It's only four letters. Exactly. Well, you know, yeah. like we said, I like when people think I'm a dumb jock. It works out better. <laughs> um, Brian, before we let people know exactly what you do. And why we thought you'd be a good guest on the podcast. Quick rapid fire. Your favorite 
cocktail is a, is a straight bourbon or whiskey, I'm yeah, guessing. Yeah, bourbon neat. Yeah, bourbon neat. Yeah. Are you, uh, what was your first job? Oh, goodness. Uh, first job? Well, I mean, it depends how you look at yeah, it. Like, yeah, I, either way is cool. Yeah. Like, like, first job was mowing my grandfather's yard. Love that. that that's the first responsibility. And, okay. And, I mean, I had, to drive, I had to ride my bike five blocks to go do it, mm-hmm. right? And that, that in itself was a responsibility. How old do you think? Oh, I was probably 11, Yeah, 12. that's awesome. The oddity with that story is that my grandfather had cut his half of his finger off on a lawnmower mm-hmm. when he was younger. And so I had that in the back of my head. It's like, you sure you want to let me Sign do this? Sign up, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so that, that was my first opportunity to make money. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I did some odd jobs while I was in college, like the summer stuff. Yeah. I had to kind of put myself through college. And okay. my parents took out some loans, but we had no money. So what you made during the summer had to, had mm-hmm. to apply for the years. So, um, you know, I worked in like a convenience store distributing company. I mowed lawns for the school corporation. Um, I got some opportunities to work in like chiropractic offices and that kind of stuff. Cause for a while I wanted to do that. Yeah. Um, so I got a lot of those odds and ends type jobs, you know, which I think now is when I look back, I would have done things completely different. Cause I think it's super important. Mm. And I can, we can talk a little bit about that. Like when I'm hiring people, what I look for. Um, but my first real job really was probably after I got done, um, with undergrad, I started doing some things with like personal training and mm-hmm. to, to pay the bills of going on to do my master's and my PhD and all that kind of stuff. So that was a little bit of a job there. Mm-hmm. And then it was, it wasn't until I joined the army that I really felt like I was technically working. We're okay. Yeah. And how old are you then? Oh Roughly. goodness. Um, so I joined the army in 2000. So okay. I was born in 74. Okay. 36. Yeah. Do you, um, Math is hard, isn't it? It is. I mean, you know, 26, first, but that's okay. It's pretty for a sales guy. Um, yeah, that's right. It is 26. <laughs> God, I only took a sip of bourbon, Brian. Um, do you have a... Uh, I actually really interested in, in, in the interview stuff and for you to tell people, um, you know, about the company you lead yeah. every day. What Do you have any favorite quotes, your quote guy? Oh, um, I mean, yes, I, I have some stuff. Like, things that I, I believe in wholeheartedly. Yeah. Um, like I, the phrase move with purpose mm. um, and really purpose in general, but move with purpose. I use a lot. I use it with a lot of my kids growing up. It's like, if you know where you need to be, mm-hmm. then get there. Yeah. Uh, I think that applies a lot to life. Like if you know what you need to do, then go do it. Mm-hmm. Don't just meander through life doing it. And we've had people in the office before and I'm like, there's no move with purpose in this person. And, yeah. it, and it, you can see it in their jobs and you can see the way they execute their life. Mm. And, uh, um, yeah, probably my favorite quote is, you're only young once, but you can be immature the rest of your life. Yeah. <laughs> and you spend enough time with me to know that that's kind of true. We live it, yeah. yeah. Uh, right, you don't have to grow up. No, nice. I think it's actually in your detriment to grow up. Yeah. Like, if you stop living for the spice of life, then... What's the point? Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. Do you... I know you're a reader, but do you have any books recently or, uh, or books you'd recommend? Oh. Books recently that you've loved or books you just recommend to folks? Um... Yeah, a book that I, like I'm really into right now, and I'm applying it at work, is a book called Measure What Matters. Just read it. Okay, just ours. read it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's one. It's we're living it. We're growing really, really fast, mm-hmm. and we're living it in our company because we're still lean. Like you yes. don't want to hire ahead of where you are in growth, right? But it's also challenging when your growth is exceeding your your employee base. Mm. And so we got to be really smart about what we're going to waste 
or spend our time on and not waste our time on. Right. Because you only have so much of it. Right. And, uh, you know, if I've learned anything from our, my CEO, it's, it's like time is our enemy. Mm. And so you got to use that as your, your best resource. Mm-hmm. So we've been focusing a lot on that. So I read this with a group of guys that I meet with once a month, a power group of guys, guys that just want to make sure that what they're investing in their life is continually going and they're making, we're challenging each other. That right. To get stuff. better. Yeah. So that's a book we read recently. I'm applying that right now with all my, my heads of departments. Mm-hmm. We're coming up with our objectives mm-hmm. and then we're going to go to their teams and say, all right, we're going to, f- here's the objectives we have. Any modifications to it? Yes or no. And then we're going to start putting in key results. Like, what are we going to measure ourselves against? Right. Um, you know, and I, I think it's really important that you're not putting a ton of pressure on that to, because this is new. Like, yes. if you haven't been doing it and you say these are, these are go, no go type of situations, people get intimidated by that. But mm-hmm. if you say, this is for us to be better. Right. Like, wouldn't you like to look back at the end of the year and say, man, look at what we accomplished? I thought the beauty of OKRs was it really put the onus on them to come up with it as opposed <laughs> to you prescribing it. Absolutely. And I think that was part of the beauty. It was definitely one of those books that there was a lot of highlighter and pens out. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't like a book you just read, yeah. digest, and think on. It was almost like a, a workbook at times that's, for, for me. That's the way I use so Yeah. I listen to it because okay. I, I do a lot of it on flights or in mm-hmm. my car. And I went back and bought the book for that exact reason. Yeah. It's like, I can't get the value out of this and remember all the pieces of it. Mm-hmm. I can remember the gist of it, but there's, there were so many little pearls in there that I want to apply. There were. And I love the fact that it, it talked about you know, each of the groups that were applying them. They were applying them based on their company. Not and just, differently. Yeah. And differently. Yeah. Exactly. And so, um, yeah, like I said, I'm really excited to see how it plays out mm-hmm. with our group. And I know there'll be some resistance um, along the way, but the, the best part is, is like publishing what you say you're going to do. Yeah. Do what you say you're going to do. Yeah. And if you're not getting there, like, great, we're a mistake tolerant environment, but let us help you. Yeah. So we can see that versus getting so far down the line that now it's a frustration point. Like, mm-hmm. why didn't you? We do can't get any of that time ago? back. You can't. Right. Yeah. As you, as you kind of alluded to. So, so, oh man, that's phenomenal. I guess there's one other book yeah, that do it, do I, I really liked that um, was instrumental early on for me. Um, I, I applied it qu- quite a bit to every, every facet of my life. It's called The Slide Edge. Like I, I think his name, last name's Olson. Okay. Um, but it, the, it's a small, a short book. It's not very long. Um, but the premise behind it is, is that big decisions are easy. It's the uh. small decision that you do daily that leads you down this slide edge. So as they say, this is status quo. It's compound interest is what it is. And it's like the small decisions either going to take you down a negative path or a positive path. Um, And I mean, you can apply it to everything, to the gym life. Like if I, if I focus in on, you know, you're doing a pull up, focus in on the right movement first, then everything's going to add upon that. Mm -hmm. We've been talking a ton about that. Um, You can apply that to your work life. Like, all right, I want to spend the first 15 minutes of every day getting through my emails fast so I can move into this. And then I want to make sure that every, every week I do, like there's a good example every week on Mondays, I go and I read articles. Mm-hmm. What's new in the published world that's mm-hmm. applicable, applicable to our, our business. Yes. And so if I wasn't doing slide edge, I would I would say, all right, I'm really busy this week. I'm not going to do this. Yeah. But that adds up. It does. If I, if I don't do it one week and then the next week I'm like, I'm still busy. I'm going to pass on this. Next thing you know, three months has passed, and you may have pat- missed a, a very important publication for what we're trying to accomplish. There's a um, 
a colleague of mine just shared a book with me and I have not read it yet, but along the same lines of that, it kind of takes that premise of those small little daily habits that yeah. we do. And it, I think it's called the compound effect. Okay. And it says that, well, because I learned to do the pull up correctly yeah. and attend the gym. Well, now I also start to eat healthier. Yeah. Right. And because I eat healthier, wow, I also limit my alcohol intake. Yeah. And it talks about like actually beyond the slight edge mm-hmm. of those yeah. decisions. Also, it has a compound effect yeah. on everything else you do in life. Yeah. So there's a, there's a tons of books, I think, on the habits. Yes. Like Atomic Habits, which got a lot Atomic of Habits is great. Yeah, yeah, it was a great book. Yeah. And um, I just officiated a wedding this past weekend. And one of the things I talked about was appreciation habits, mm. like learning to be appreciative with yes. your spouse. Yes. Why you feel good about it. Like that's the perfect time. You're just getting married. Like right. you're really high on your, your right. relationship. Take, yeah. Make sure you're messaging appreciation and looking for things to be appreciative of because when it gets tougher, right. You're not going to do it. You got to lean on those yeah. moments. Yeah. So I, th- I think habits in general, is like habits lead to better habits. Like good habits lead to better habits and better yes. habits lead to those compound habits. Mm-hmm. And it can start at any point in time, mm-hmm. any point in time. So tell us, Graduate high school. Give us like the Reader's Digest. How'd you get to Indiana? Um, small town. Yep. Uh, I think the we have like three thousand people in our our town. Okay. It really, it was depend on which factories were open. That kind of thing. Yes. Um, and uh, farm country. Like the okay. the town next to us is called farmland. I should tell you really what it is. Okay. Um, so um, you know, I I was considered a city boy, and um, okay, it, but I wasn't a city boy. I just didn't live on the farm. But anyways, I finished high school, was never a great student. I was a good athlete, um, smart enough to get by, took honors classes and all that kind of stuff, but never, I, like I barely remember studying ever. Right. So that's what study hall was for. It wasn't for taking books home. Yes. And so that's kind of the way I did it. So that was a big surprise when I went to undergrad. So I um, got recruited to play basketball at one place. It okay. was an all boys school. Okay. After I went up and played with them, I'm like, this is all boys' school. I'm not going here. Yeah. You know, not the brightest yes. decision. Yes. Considering I was, no one in my family had gone to college at okay. this point. Okay. So <laughs> it's like, probably should take that advantage. But um, yeah. Yeah. So I ended up going to Ball State for a year. Okay. Uh, studying exercise science. Really got into that in middle school and high school, that whole fitness world. Mm-hmm. Um, I, like when I was a freshman in high school, I was 5'2, 105 pounds. I was a little tiny. I was probably the smallest kid in my class 4'11, 111. Are you kidding me? Freshman year. You, yeah. I think we have three growth spurts as males. Yeah. I had had zero. Oh, it's brutal. So you know what I'm talking about. The smallest kid in the world. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, and you, I hadn't really started to get man strength. There's a difference between kid strength and man strength. Dramatic. And, like, you play in sports, you just get knocked around. I, I spent more time on the ground playing basketball than just standing up. Testosterone's a real thing. <laughs> it, <laughs> yeah. is, it is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's a whole other topic. Yeah. Yeah, true, true. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so anyhow, I, I had a, a powerlifting coach. Okay. And he was my PE teacher in high school, and he invested a ton of, ton into me. And, um, like, I owe a ton to this man and, and his wife, honestly. They, I worked at their fitness center. Okay. Um, he called things out in me that I didn't know were there, that mm. kind of thing, that kind of guy, you know? Blind spots, yeah. Yeah. Well, he, he pulled – he blind spots, but also he, he called things into existence. Like, oh, okay. You don't realize how strong you can be. Okay. And then once that – and, and talking about compound, I started eating better. Mm-hmm. Like I listened to what he said on nutrition, supplements, all that kind of stuff. Got super strong. Powerlifting in high school um, was tied in for state champion my senior year or my junior year. Um, 
And that translated to, to better basketball as well. Right. So I was really kind of focusing on that side. But what I realized is fitness can't be an equalizer for you. Yes. And so that's why I got really interested in exercise science. Okay. And so went to Ball State, was in their exercise science program for a year. A school up called Huntington University kept calling me um, about playing and then their exercise science program and took a flyer. I went up there. It's a small Christian college in Indiana. Cool. Um, a thousand students. I mean, it's small. It's yep. like Division II um, school. And anyhow, went up there, and that was a life-changing moment. I went up there to play basketball and yeah. was in great shape, played well. Long story short, 15 returning players are keeping 14. I end up getting cut. Um, the coach that recruited me left, yeah. took an AD job somewhere else. New coach knew nothing about me because I'd been out for a year. Right. Just anyways, at the time it was devastating. Mm. But when I look back, if I was playing sports and trying to do a biology degree and exercise science degrees, as hard as those were, um, doing a double major, it would have been too much. Right. So I got to really focus in on that side and, and grow that passion for the exercise science. I had some really close buddies that studied with me and we had a great time. Became a very good student after the first year, ah. after I learned to study. Mm. Um, cause I didn't know. So how to a learned a learned skill. Yeah. And even how build schedules and that kind of stuff. So you can actually learn it. Like mm -hmm. I rewrote my notes after every class Yes, because that's all I needed to do to, to get it to memory. Mm -hmm. Um, so finished that off, went to the master's degree at ball state. Okay. Um, for the main reason was now I'm getting this degree and I have no idea what I want to do with it. Okay. I think a lot you of pursued like, the passion of I like exercise science and biology and where I I'm never going. felt like I was studying or okay. I felt like I was learning you know, the, the big difference. Yes. Um, and I like, let's go do this. Ball State at the time was like the, in the top three exercise science programs in the country. Okay. And it's 30 minutes for my parents. Mm. Um, and you know, I failed to mention that my parents maybe made 60 grand yep. combined. Yeah. My, I never felt poor, but you know, yes. we, money wasn't something like we can go wherever you want. Right. So it, may, it was a good decision. Um, anyhow, did Ball State exercise physiology uh, as a master's degree. Um, my advisor there had done some time in Sweden okay. at this place called Karolinska Institute as a sabbatical. Okay. And he had sent a student over that did very, very well. Um, and Jeff was graduating. So his advisor called my advisor, Bruce uh, Craig, and said, um, do you have any students you think could get through this program? And at the time, I was doing a lot of studying. The with program it. being a PhD. PhD at Carolins. Carolins is where they give out the Nobel Prize. So I mean, this is yeah, like a, I don't I, see. I didn't know. That. Yeah, this yeah. is a legit. Yeah. A graduate program. There's 900 graduate students there between med school and PhD. So okay. that's that's all it is. There's right. no undergrad. So um, you're talking about needing to publish to graduate. Yes. It's, it's intense. So you better know how to do research and you better be good at it. Right. And better have the, the wherewithal to keep up. Yes. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of guys cool. that I went over there with that were in the PhD programs that ended up just getting masters. And at two years, they're like, you're not going to make it. You're done. Okay. So, you know, it, it was a challenging um, environment to walk into. And how do you say that, Caroline? Karolinska. Karolinska. Karolinska Institute. See, I looked at your LinkedIn and was like, oh, Brian just couldn't get a PhD in the States, so he yeah. just left. <laughs> I think a lot of people think that. I mean, the, I would have never known that's where the Nobel Prize comes from. You know, yeah. That's a cool yeah. fact. Like, I walked by Alfred Nobel Forum wow. every day into my office. Wow. Yeah. I finished my dissertation as I was walking by the Nobel laureate that year, a guy that studied a lot of the neurosystems was walking by with his entourage as I walked out the door. As I mean, it was a humbling experience. Like, wow. You're just starting, you know? Yeah. But um, Very cool. 
I, I mean, a couple things that were wonderful about that is one, I'm a small town redneck from Indiana. Yeah. Never been exposed outside of Muncie, Indiana, which is a redneck mm-hmm. city. Mm-hmm. And um, going over there, I had 11 countries represented in my lab. Uh, people that were leaving young children in China to come over and pursue the research. You know, there was the people that are sacrificing a lot. Yes. And I learned my ethnocentricity diminished tremendously. Mm. And it wasn't a prideful ethnocentricity. It was, yeah. it, but it was, it was like, it was an ignorant one, maybe? It was ignorant. It, yeah. I, had, I mean, I had no exposure level. Right. And um, the friends I got, like, just um, even two guys from different parts of Germany and hearing them rap about the differences in their upbringings because one was east and one was west. Wow. Huge. Yeah. And so when you come back to the States with that, you're like, there's things I greatly appreciate about America. Not to say that other people don't, but I think I have a different perspective. Yes. Than what they have because... You know, it is truly the best country in the world. Right. We have our flaws, which I saw some of that as well. But there's so much opportunity here. I was like, this mm. is. It's interesting I, I to, really hear, appreciate to it. hear you um, speak about that. This is 2000 ish, 2004, right? So you're there for 9 I'm coming back for uh, in 2004. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting because I. Was, oh, I was in I was in England on 9-11. You were. At a conference. And I come walking around the room. There's like, where is everybody? No one's listening to any of these lectures. I come walking around the room and there's TV monitors and people are there watching it happen. And I'm like, how am I going to get back to Sweden? Because Heathrow was shutting down. Everything was shutting down. Right. Wow. I mean, hearing you talk about it, though, um, just reminds me of like, I I was lucky enough to play lacrosse in Australia for a couple of years, which was a cool experience. And I was there for the wrong reasons, playing lacrosse, not to (laughs) There's no party. Right. Exactly. But I got to travel a bunch. And you definitely see the flaws in your country, but man, did it give me a greater appreciation to be home. It was like, it was like, I'm so glad I did that to the point where when you hear people say, uh, you know, some sort of mandatory service for folks or, uh, or I think it should be like, you got to do mandatory service or just travel abroad because you really start to appreciate. I'm a big prescriber of that. Um, And part of, part of the reason I joined the army had a little bit of that as well. Common theme on the podcast when we're talking about people and their career passes early and often, I, there was someone, I think it might've been Cliff Stevens, who's a phenomenal guy. He was like, become interesting when you're young. Yeah. He's like, because you'll have stories forever. But I think what we talked about was get out of here. Like the travel, if you can travel on a shoestring budget, travel, because it just changes your perspective on so many other things in the world. So remind me when we get to kind of interviewing later, I want to talk about internships, like what people do when they're passionate, because that's, that's something I look for now. Um, I never look at where people graduate from. Quite frankly, I don't care. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. So wait, hold on. I interrupted you. So what, so you graduate with your PhD, but what did you publish? Oh, so I needed four publications to graduate. Okay. So I did. I ended up getting 10 publications out of my PhD. Wow. Um, so you I overachiever, dude. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's kind of comical because I got a lot of chastising when I was over there. Now, keep in mind that um, I've been dating my wife when I went over for six years. When you, so, so you met her in high school or did I you met her in high school I've okay. known her since she was like four years old okay um, and we did, started dating in high school I yep. was a little I'm older than her she okay. is um, and then we had one year of overlap okay and that was it and then I decided to go over here she's doing her master's degree in the states at, oh. at Ball State yep and so I'm like I'm not coming over here it was a wrong mentality going over but I'm like I'm coming over here to get it done yeah 
not to experience this. Immerse yourself, yeah. And I changed that mentality after a while. But I, I used to get chastised a lot because I literally would eat a can of tuna and a bucket of white rice mm-hmm. for lunch. And I wouldn't even heat up the right, white rice because I wanted to be done in 15 minutes. I wanted to go do my research and get it done because mm-hmm. I was responsible for all the studies. You were on a mission. I had to get it done. Yeah. And I had to change that. So wow. she came over about two years after. Now, she's doing her master's degree. And okay. um, we get pregnant early. Okay. Then we wanted to. Yes. And I was like, this is rough because is... now she's coming over here. I don't know anything about raising kids over there. Mm. Fortunately, Sweden is one of the most forward thinking, mm. um, uh, developmental child, child development countries in the world. Mm-hmm. And, um, so she finished her master's degree and delivered two weeks later. Wow. And five weeks later she moved to Sweden. And wow. I basically said, I have to get back to work. I moved back to the States for like four months. During that time. I brought all my samples over here, and I did uh, analysis at Ball State. They let me get into the lab. And then I moved right back, and she came over. So she had to figure out wow. medicine, all that kind of stuff. Being a socialist country, it was it, that's one of the benefits of it. That was beautiful. Yes. Um, and, uh, I mean, you want to talk about someone putting their life on, on hold mm. to raise a kid with me. And unplanned, I, unplanned. Yeah, and um, ride or die. It was it was a challenging part. So you talked earlier, and we talked a little bit about spouses yeah. before we started. Yeah. Like spouses deserve all that credit. Like a lot of these people give up a lot. A lot of spouses yes. give up a lot in, the, in that support role. Mm-hmm. Um, There's that piece. Uh, Brian's teasing. We, we've got a little bit of an idea for a spinoff on the podcast. Yeah. But there's that piece of the sacrifice, and then there's the other piece of like they also are understand you they get to understand your business and your perspective on it and they have like a pretty relevant opinion oh yeah you know there's that whole other piece it's like there is the sacrifice but it's like also the sounding board piece yeah. but and, and she she just started working for a company in a, in a support role for sales um so she doesn't report to me thank god yeah for her <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um and that was the criteria but um it's amazing how much she understands about the business through osmosis yes and just being around my colleagues and that kind of stuff. Very cool. She's going to crush it. I hope she does because I can retire. Right. And then start taxidermy business or something like that. <laughs> so that happens in your, your you have your first kid. and then... my third year. Uh, the second year, okay. we, had, we had Isaiah. Okay. Um, wow. We went back over, finished up. Um, okay, so you're there for two years. Yeah, exactly. Basically, yeah. We come back. Uh, oddly enough, I, I met a guy from California who's still a very good friend, and we start coming up with an idea of a product we wanted to develop okay. while we're over there. Um, he's a brilliant dude, brilliant guy. And he had a military application, all mm-hmm. kinds of stuff. So I'm actually studying, looking for places that this could apply, trying to learn as much as I can. And I came across a postdoc in the Army. Okay. Um, they were looking for someone that had studied integrative physiology, which is what my PhD is, or exercise physiology, which was what my master's was. Wow. Knowing that I have a kid coming and the, the life cycle of getting products to, to market, yeah. I'm like, this is probably a really good opportunity for me to maybe apply to this, Yes. Um, get some intel, and we can keep developing this. Um, the long story short was I found out that what we were going to develop was kind of already in motion. Okay. But, um, it filled that niche of, we talked earlier about that service piece. Mm. I always wanted to be part of the military. I felt like I owed it. uh, Yeah. Yeah. 
I hate saying it that way, but I like, know, yeah, my I, family had done it. Both my grandfathers were in. My father was in the National Guard, and um, you know, the greatest man I think I know is my grandfather on my father's side. And you know, it's like I wanted to be part of that, yeah, that heritage piece. And yeah. so I was always looking for an opportunity. But where do you fit it in? And this was a great opportunity to, to scratch that itch as well as provide. Provide. Yeah. So I applied for it, and that's what brought me to Massachusetts. Okay. And so um, did my training in Texas and then moved to Massachusetts to the labs in Natick. Yeah. And did human performance research. There. Yeah. Right off right now there. Yeah. 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 Wow, no so, way. Or I would never have come. I literally thought it was three years and out, and here we are, what, 18 years up here now? Yeah, you're still sucked. I in thought the, it was in three years. Vortex. I'm getting out and going. Um, no way. Yeah. So you got to, like, even talk about my wife. She followed me to Sweden. Yeah. She, she didn't go to Texas with me. She went back to Indiana yeah. and stayed with family. Um, because I was living in a dorm. It's like, we're not going to do this. Yeah. And, um, she was pregnant for my second kid at the time. And she flew her down there at five months and we drove back up to Indiana, grabbed her stuff and then drove to Massachusetts. Wow. <clears throat> yeah. What a wild ride. And so are you itching to get out of Massachusetts? I mean, obviously not itching cause you're working um, here full time. And I mean, I, I don't care about the beach and yeah. kind of stuff. Um, I love the Midwest, people in the Midwest. Family. Family. Yeah. yeah. Um, so if the opportunity is there, we would do it. We're not itching to get out. We're, yeah. It's not like we're forcing it. We're, right. And a lot of what we've talked about has been, I don't know what the next step is. Yeah. And quite frankly, I'm not sure I care what the next step is. It's part of the fun. Yeah. I mean, I never looked at getting my PhD as, a, as the goal. Mm. I The process to me was what was, you know, just I loved learning about exercise physiology um i love learning about the other country when i went there when i went to sweden love the military loved learning i love the military piece of it as mm -hmm. much as i love the research i was doing so it's never been a, a goal like i don't really have a where i think i want to end up yeah i have ideas where it could so i look at living in massachusetts in the same yeah. context yeah it doesn't define you it just is what I mean, it is you grow it. up here so you it it's is. different you don't grow yeah. up here. It's it's like I'm not tethered in any way. I love the people at the gym. I love the people at the church we go at. All that kind of stuff, um, but I'm not tethered. I get I get that. I feel I feel the most tethered. I think now because of my kids. Mm -hmm. You know, it was easy to leave and go yeah. to Australia and then be like, I don't know where I'm going to live after yeah. that. And for that, and then you have your kids and you're like, well, once they get to middle school, it's like they get relationships tethered. are getting built. And, right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a it's a whole thing. So do you? And so today. You're president of a biologics company. What do you guys do? Like, how did you parlay any of that PhD into what you do today? Yes. Or? So, um, funny story is, I, I met the CEO of our company playing basketball. I actually met the guy that was running the marketing department. I think there were 16 people in the company at the time when I met yes. him. Um, and he later told me, he's like, I asked him what he did. And he's like, how can I dumb this down so this dumb jock will understand right. what we do? How's he going <laughs> to? So, so, Dan talked for probably. I don't know, 10 minutes it felt like, but he just kept going on and he's using all these late terms. I'm like, no, I get it. I get it. And I'm just listening. And he finally he's like, what do you do? I'm like, well, I'm a scientist. And, um, and put me on me. so he's like, oh, okay. So then he, he introduced me to the CEO of the company and, and we were thinking about doing some research together. Uh, he had started investing into military research piece of it to support um, from a, more of a patriotic lane than anything else. Yeah. And I'm like, this is great synergy. So 
I decided we did, we literally wrote the, my job description on a dry erase board. He gave me four options. Basically said, I want you in the company. You just tell me what you want to do. Sales, clinical research, whatever. So I took over clinical affairs because we didn't have a clinical yeah. affairs department. So, um, I started building that out and, um, that was drinking by the fire hose for sure. I mean, cause I'd not done it for one. Right. There was such a need for it. And I decided I was going to take my 70 days of vacation in the military and do two days a week at the military and take three days of vacation each week and start doing both jobs Oof. because I needed it so bad. And that really became two full-time jobs is what it became. Right. Um, and so anyhow, did that four months later, took over regulatory and quality. Mm-hmm. Um, I think three or four months later, I ended up dropping into a v- VP slot. Okay. Um, so it was a fast track. Um, and, you know, at the time when I was hired, we were hiring literally one employee a week. Yes. And so we went from, I think I was 18th, we went to 40 employees like that. And so it was a fast growing company. Wow. Yeah. And then how did you end up matriculating to the president role? Um, so had the clinical side, I still do that. Yeah. I um, still have a lot of clinical conversation, presentations, all that kind of stuff, and lead that team. Um, we got sold by a private equity group in 2016, 17. Okay. 16. Um, and the, the new group, when we got by by them, they basically took two companies and merged us together. One was Isto Technologies, and we were Arterius at the time. That's right. And um, they merged us together, and I fell into this weird role where I was kind of overseeing operations, um, overseeing uh, technologies, mm-hmm. um, and R and D, like I had forty six people reporting to me at one point, which is silly, yeah. right? And now right. I can manage that, right? Um, and that kind of just morphed into like you don't really have a defined, distinct role anymore. You have more of an executive type of a role. So in two thousand nineteen, Don and I started talking about that, and it's like really, it's the president's role. And Don, or, or not Don, my wife. Yeah, I, I was I'm like, from Indiana. I can't so distinguish hard. between those two be words. So hard. <laughs> um, but uh, Don Brown, he, we started having conversations around that, and um, he's been very good at mentoring, as well as giving me opportunity to grow. Mm. So um, I stepped in, and um, you know, we have a, a young CFO now um, that's been with me since the beginning. Oh, wow. Our VP of sales has been there since the beginning. My VP of ops has been there since the beginning. Um, so it's like, we have a really nice core of people. Cool. Um, so it's, it's been fun. So it's, it's the right role. Yes. Um, but I, like, I still have a lot of those other responses. I think I don't have regulatory and quality. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Same. But, but I'm hearing from you, you did the job you do today before you officially got the title. For sure. Yeah. I, I think that that's a that's, great, that's a life great segue. That's, yeah. Right? I mean. yeah. Do the job ahead of your title mm. and do it well. Like it, nothing frustrates me more than someone wanting a promotion that ha- that aren't equipped or haven't tried to even do what's, what's up there. Yes. And they can't explain to you what, what that role is. I think that, it, that not only is that frustrating, but after you go through I, similar in my experience, doing the job before you get the title for lack of a better way of saying it, I also feel grateful that I did it because uh, you get almost like a pass to make more mistakes without the noose around your neck. Like, I think like once you do it once, like, man, there's no better way to do it as the person, like selfishly, Never mind for the, um, for the business side of it. So now that, that makes a lot of sense. So now in your role, um, you're responsible for basically everything that goes Uh, on. Yeah. I mean, I still oversee operations. Um, 
biggest part of my role right now is new technology acquisitions. We're okay. growing extremely fast, and we have a board that's extremely supportive. Mm. Um, they're not only supporting us in, in acquiring products that fit very well in our portfolio, they're out there looking at deals mm. and bringing them to us and say, evaluate this, and, and really they value our opinion on it. Um, and so we walk away from some opportunities that they were really keen on just because it doesn't fit. Um, and so that's I'm looking at today. three, three deals right now. Wow. And so it, it's a lot of fun, um, to do that, to be a part of a company that's like that. We have a, um, we're a DNA first type of company before skill set. Okay. So we're looking at DNA. I lo- these are kind of stories I look for in interviews Yeah, is a non-traditional path. How'd you get here? Like, where did you fail? It's like. I thought I was going to do this and then realize I hated that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And this is why I'm doing this now. Um, so we go for DNA first. We figure we can teach people the skill sets. I was going to say, do you think your uh, powerlifting coach from Indiana would ever think you were worried about M&A activity? No, no, not <laughs> right? at all. Like, wow, what a wild skill set. Because yeah. you, through this, let's just say your uh, higher education, not any time really formally in the business world, correct? Correct. You're just learning by doing. Yeah. Yeah, which is yeah. pretty which is pretty wild to some people, but also makes a ton of sense because there's really no better teacher than the experience of it. And for what you do, the technical piece is like, you got, I mean, that's table stakes to a degree. I agree. Um, there, I mean, there's still gaps in my business. Who doesn't have acumen. gaps, though? Um, right. right, and it's changed a lot, but instincts are instincts. True, and I think that that's one of the things that I I feel I'm strong in is instincts, mm. um, and I've had a, some really good mentors, and I'm not afraid to ask the questions that I don't understand. Yes, um, and they've they've walked me through it. Um, Kung Fong, our CFO, he's outstanding at like helping me understand. Like, you look at two numbers, and they they don't really mean that much different. But he's saying we should go this path. Like, I want to know why. Yes, like. It may not affect us this year, but it'll affect us next year or the year after. And um, I want to know why you're making the decision so I can help you make better decisions as well or control my spin better. Right. Whatever right. that is. Learn, from, learn, stand on the shoulders of giants as opposed to figure yeah. it out yourself. Do you, on the mentoring is another topic that comes up quite a bit through these stories. Like, how do you, you just mentioned you have a number of mentors. I, you know, I think it's interesting. People are like, I need a mentor. And it's like, ah, I feel like a lot of times mentors find you. Um, what, like, I'm interested just to hear you riff on the topic, to be honest with yeah. you. Like, because it sounds like you've got some, I'm guessing you've sought some of them out and yeah. some naturally kind of came into your life. Like, but you got two boys. Oh, yeah. And you're going to teach them to find mentors or already have and what they do. Like, what, what are your yeah. thoughts on the topic generally? So I'm not, I don't know if I fully, but maybe I want you to unpack that a little bit yeah. more on mentors finding you. Um, like, I think when you do the work yep, and, and you kind of expose yourself and to your point, people you ask the why be, they're like, I'm gonna, I'll, this kid wants to know I'll help them. That exa- so we feel the same way on that. Okay. I, I feel like a mentor's a mentor is only worth a salt. If he wants to mentor, like right. asking someone to mentor you that doesn't want to mentor, you're, it's a waste of time. So it I'm is. very, very candid with those that ask me. I'm like, well, you need to help me define what that means to you. Yes. Um, because this is what I'm willing to do. This right. is not what I'm not here to babysit. Right. Um, I'm not here to drag you along. Like I don't right. want to have to call you to get a pull you. Yeah. 
Um, and I ha I've had some great opportunities. I'll back up one step that I think everybody should have mentors. Yeah. Everybody should be mentoring someone at the same time. Because you'll start mm -hmm. believing your own BS if you're not mentoring someone. Yes. And uh, I think that's a dangerous position to be in because now you become, you know, you have the tendency, to, that's where narcissists are born. Yeah. And that's where ignorance comes in. Mm -hmm. And um, and then if you're not mentoring someone else, you're not, I guess you don't pressure testing your thoughts. There's, a, there's a certain challenge that absolutely comes with it. That's, yep. So I'm, I'm always mentoring somebody and there are probably six, seven people in my life that I look at as mentors for me. Yes. And they all feel, feel different. Um, avenues of mentorship yes some are on the business side of it some are on the life um i think of uh this couple herman and gretchen and actually their son works for our company right now um and they mentored us in parenting mm. um and now we've mentored people in parenting we yes. actually led groups with them on that but hiring their son was the easiest decision ever right you knew because i you knew, knew his dna i knew his dna yeah and like i i interviewed he wasn't the perfect fit on paper but I, like, I, I'm never going to have to ask this kid to work, and I'm not going to have to ask this kid to be curious because I know they invested in curiosity and those kind of things. You yes. know what I'm saying? Yes. Um, so you have to find mentors that are specific to, to lanes in your life. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not going to go to someone that is in the business world and ask them about and ask them to mentor me spiritually. Yes. Or vice versa. Yes. That's silliness. Right. And I'm not going to mentor someone in a lane that they're asking me to that I'm not equipped to do it either because now I'm doing them a dis disservice. It does start with the realization that you want to get better in a discipline, yep. I guess, right? I think that's one, I think that's probably a topic yep. that we haven't talked about on the podcast is like, there does need to be a portion of you that's like, I do want to work on my parenting. Yeah. Right, yeah. like that, that, and you can't. Yep. I, I think you gotta, I, I think probably you gotta get there somehow on your own. You might get inspired by others, but like, what an important topic. Yeah, and I, I'll sound old at this point. <laughs> I think that's the problem with the generation right now. It, they're kind of at a disadvantage because everything is put out there in the social media sphere. Yes. That they compare themselves against. Agreed. And yeah. on top of that, they're flipping through stories that doesn't make them think about the impact of what whatever that activity is on that person's life or the information I'm, a, I'm consuming right now and how I can apply it. <laughs> right. And that's challenging. And they think that, at it, not they, because I'm one of them, right? I'm a millennial. But, but when there's so much information on YouTube, yeah. for example, that you can digest and learn, well, the benefit of a mentor is you don't just watch the video yeah. and digest it. You got someone to talk about it with, <clears throat> live it. Bring exactly. it back to, like when you said you get together once a month with those guys, I would venture to guess that the book is 20% of the development and 80% of the time spent talking about yeah. the book is where the magic actually happens. Exactly. Maybe 90, right? Yeah. Like We so, have some guys in there with young kids in their lives and they're yeah. looking at me like, you have two grown boys right? at this point. Like, what did you do in this situation? Um, and relationship-wise, and that's one of the things that I love about this group is we all come with different skill sets. Mm -hmm. So we're putting skill sets into these conversations like this month we're going to learn how to weld yes like yeah i don't know how to weld no I've never done it no i love to learn it a hundred a hundred percent and even if you're not learning it because it's going to have a purpose for your life the, the, i'm a such a fan of learning something new yeah because it makes you feel 
really dumb again. And it's a, the beginner's mindset's a healthy one. Yeah, curiosity is a powerful motiv motivator. Yeah. Um, like that's one thing that we taught our kids. Like I want them to be curious. I don't care about their grades as much. I want them to have a healthy curiosity to learn. How do you, how would you um, share your theory or thought process on how to instill curiosity in a yeah. child? Uh, well, you got to be a kid. With at, you know, I think like with my older son, Legos was the best thing that ever happened. Okay, we would sit down and say, basically, let's use this pile of Legos right here. That's all we have. What do you think we can make out of this? Mm -hmm. And now you're teaching them to, to, to brainstorm yeah. and, to, and to think with curiosity and imagination. Um, it doesn't matter what it comes out of it. Like yes. the, the end product doesn't, no. it has no bearing on the process. Not at all. But it's the process of being curious. Mm -hmm. um, like, I, you know, I do a lot of dog training. I yeah. love watching a dog when it clicks in their brain. Yeah. So I want to test some things like, how's, it, how's this dog going to learn with this? Like, how am I going to make this dog more hungry to, to learn what I'm, we're going to do versus shying away from it? Mm-hmm. And so you have to be observant. Yes. And so. Yes. Um, and we, I think relentless in the, in the like for yeah. me, with, ki with young kids, eight and six, my wife and I will joke sometimes it will be in the car and the questions, right? My youngest, oh, yeah. my six-year-old, the questions are like. And it's hard not to, it's like, I just want to zone out right can now. Can we stop talking? And I'll, we'll look at each yeah. other and be like, we, this, is, this is our job, is yeah. to answer every single one of these questions yeah. and keep the dialogue Absolutely. going. Because it's like, we're not going to regret that mm -hmm. in 10 years. You know, yeah. like that's how, that that's our simple way for yeah. the curiosity. Yeah, and I like at at work. Um, of course, we we're getting the right DNA in, which yeah. helps. But if we weren't getting the right DNA, you'd see this manifest in different ways. But like, I walked into our young engineering group the other day, and I'm like, "Hey, I think we need to do this," and we're working on like, "Okay, I want to know what your solutions are." Mm. Like, what are you guys thinking about? Right, because they they're naive to kind of the market and all that kind of stuff right now. They, one of them's been there for two months. Right. And, but his being naive sometimes gives you an opportunity to, to be thinking a little bit more wildly. The I horse guess. blinders aren't yeah. on, right? Like you can think yeah. creatively. Yeah. So um, do that with your kids as well. Yes. And I think you got to do it with your employees. You got to do it with your kids. So in any meeting, basically our motto at the company is if you're in this meeting, then your voice is welcomed. Right. Like we don't bring people in there just to be right. part of the listening, listening staff. Like, yeah. um, some people do. Some people put them in the meetings, and it drives me crazy because I'm like, they're wa you're wasting their time. Right. But I, if I'm going to invite you in a meeting, you're there to. In fact, I might even say you're leading this meeting. This is your meeting. Contribute. You're not equipped for it, but yeah. you know, I don't hire people that I don't see moving up two levels. Right. Uh, I'm not going to hire someone to do a job today that they're not going to be able to move up. That mm. doesn't make sense to mm. me. So they need to be able to move up two levels if we're going to hire them. Perfect segue. Talk to me about you alluded to internships and interview process. Like yeah. I'm really interested in yeah. how you got yeah. you go about that. Yeah, um, I honestly can say I've looked at a ton of interviews this last year or uh, resumes. I can't remember where any one of them went to school. <laughs> Not one of them. <laughs> right, it's the truth. And uh, I can remember some of the degrees because I think degrees are important. You got to have a baseline, especially in your world. Yeah, you know, <laughs> but. Um, I don't care where you went to school. No. Um, we're looking for a project manager right now. And some of the people we've looked at, like they have engineering degrees and they, they're doing, like, why did you choose project management now after that? Like, and one of them was so candid, which I loved. And it's the reason why I am where I am now. I didn't talk about this earlier, but um, she said, oh, I enjoyed engineering. 
but like there was a big part of engineering that I just wasn't excited about. Mm. And I got an opportunity to do project management role of a, of a project. And I was like, this is exciting. Like keeping stuff moving and getting teams together and interaction. I love that. So I'm like, I want to go that way. It was the same for me with science. Like yeah. I knew 80% of what I was doing was not what I was excited about. It was coming up with ideas and talking about ideas, what right. I loved. 80% of it was sitting on a bench by myself doing experiments. I'm like, I can do it. And I'm, I was decent at it, but I'll it, suck it up for the meaning. Yeah, yeah. But I was doing the bulk of my life for the stuff that I, I, you know, to get to the stuff I wanted. And she made that decision early. And I'm like, this is awesome. Yes. Yeah, I, I love that. Self-awareness. Exactly. So how'd you come about that? Well, I did this internship. And so what I started to learn in the interview process is it's not really what someone went to school to do because their parents may have said, you're going to Ivy League schools right. or whatever. They, they may not have made that decision. Their parents might have made that decision for them or the pressure of their, their peers made that decision for them. What I want to know is like, in your free time, what did you do? Where was your internships in the summer? Like, were you just going back to the country club and serving tables? Right. <clears throat> you made money, but did you grow? Right. Um, what did you do during your free time at class? Were you working with uh, professors to go in and get some volunteer time in? Yeah. Uh, that, that, those kind of things. Yeah, where and you spend your time. Where you spend your time. How you go about it. If you show me how you you spend your time, you're going to show me what you're interested in and what makes you go. Do you think that now that you've got, I believe it's two high school graduates. Yep. Do you think that I just graduated Friday? Yeah, Luke did Luke Friday. Did Friday, yeah. Do you think that, did that help you interviewing? Like, do you think you're, I know you're a better interviewer today than you were 10 years ago. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because I know you get better at shit. But like, did that experience of watching your children get raised by fellow parents help you also interview? I, I'm asking yeah. out of like the, it just dawned on me hearing you say that being like, I'm just getting a front seat yeah. now. I, it's a good point. I, I would say parenting in general helped, helped me by oh, interviewing. That makes sense. Um, yeah. But yeah, that, that curiosity thing I talked about earlier. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of the things that the Fuller's talked about. Mm -hmm. Trying to make your kids well-rounded. Yes. So many kids are so focused on one thing, and, and they're just like you talk to some kids, yeah. uh, you know, and you're like, the kid's boring. He is, yeah. He's laser focused, but he's boring. Right. Like I don't want to be around him. No. And I I like the well roundedness. So like another thing we did, our kids had to um, to earn media time. Yes. They had to read. So thirty yes. minutes of reading gets you thirty minutes of media time. Oh wow. Um, and when we went through it, I was, I had, there was a box of cereal on the table. I'm like, if you read this box of cereal, I don't care what you read. Like, you read Just this. Just read, yeah. 30 minutes is 30 minutes. But if you picked up this chapter book and you read this, when you finish it, I'll give you two hours. Ah. And plus your 30 minutes. So it was the mindset was maybe there's a movie about it they want to watch or something like that. And uh, talk about raising kids similarly and then having two different outcomes. Isaiah would just go sit and read. Forget half the time to turn on his timer. Luke would drag a chair from the dining room into the kitchen. We didn't think it completely out because we didn't have a timer. So he'd use the timer on the microwave, but he would sit in front of the, the oven. And he would he would read like five sentences and he'd look up to see how much time expired. And he did this for probably the first... This kid was always outside. Like, yeah, yeah. He did this for probably the first two months. And eventually he's like, this is silly. So they just started reading. And eventually they get to the point where they're just reading because they would rather do that. Yes. And so we made sure that the, the books that they were getting were like curiosity-driven type books. Yes. 
um, steering them in that imagination direction. kind yeah, of stuff. Exactly. I mean, I've heard it said that you know, when you're a kid, you can look at the clouds and see shapes, and when you get adults, you can't do it anymore. Like we lose our creativity, we do, and our imagination. And I think a lot of times, when being in leadership, the most effective leaders are creative. The most I, effective leaders don't have a, a glass jar of solutions. Yes, they have an ability to think. And I hate using the phrase Endless. outside of the box because it's not even really a box. They have a they have a, a phrase of what if we warp this? Endless possibilities. Endless. Endless possibilities. I love that. I do. I will admit. I think, uh, you know, having eight and six year old boys currently, it definitely like reengages your imagination because yeah. they'll say shit and you'll be like, I did not look at it that way. Yeah. And it's like, oh man, how am I looking at it? I like that. You're um, a more charitable man than me, Brian. I, we just said no media, no uh, media? Monday through Thursday. We just did a no media, and it sucked for like a couple of weeks, and then they were like, they turned their boredom into something yeah. else. The peace at home is so much better too. Yes, it is. We're it fighting is fighting over that. Got to get my homework done because I want to watch something. Like that's silly. It's the the two biggest drivers of poor behavior from my wife and I perspective are them their time spent watching media, and uh, poor meals. Yeah. Yeah. Like the second we eat a shitty meal, got yeah. lazy. It's like kids are off the they're off their rocker the rest yeah. of the day. So I think you can apply that to your employees too. Like if you're not giving your employees vision, hundred percent to go, they're gonna they're gonna get dis, disenchanted with the whole situation. Yes, they're gonna, they're gonna lose focus. Yeah, um, purpose, and, that, and that's when you walk by and you see someone on the phone and you're like, How do you we're how, failing this? How do you how do you work on that? Like how many people in your company today? Uh, we're about 110. So for 110 people. Yep. How do you keep the purpose front and center? Because it's hard. Yep. I'm in a similar style role here. We got like 95. Yeah. It, it's hard, man. Yep. And you forget about it. And like all of a sudden you pick your head up. You're like, it's been three months. Exactly. Um, one, you have to have great team members around you. Okay. Like it, this, ha this is a complete buy-in, right? Everybody yeah. has to be bought in on it. Um, but we spend time, we'll bring our whole team and, and feed them and bring them with it. These products are doing this. We'll showcase to them. We have surgeons come on. Anybody's allowed to come in there to say, this is how your products are helping my patients. So they can see the, the end benefit to the surgeon, to the patient. Mm. And that makes what you do meaningful. That yes. makes sterility important. You know, where otherwise it's like, does it really matter if I put my shoe covers on? Um, you know, in, in the order I put my gloves and shoe covers on, those kind of things. It, it does matter. Right. And so they start to see that. Um, all the new employees go through a nice a nice training program, and then we get them involved of understanding why the why behind what you do. Yes, um, and like I said, we get them involved on conversation piece, and that's one of the things I learned really early on. That this company, uh, Don was fostering an environment of everybody matters. Yes, um, and your your input matters. So if you're here, we don't have you here just to do a job. Like let's yes. get. Let's be a contributor. It's it's wild because it's the advantage of the small, medium-sized yeah. business, but it's also very difficult to uh, maintain a high mm -hmm. level of that purpose-minded yeah. thought. Day we have people day. that come from big companies, and they come up and it's like, I was in a lane. I did this every day. Um, Do they make it at your company? I, it, well, if they get if we hire them, yeah. they, they are making it because they're they're just choosing to make a switch. They are okay. We've we've struggled. Okay. At times, we've had some people make phenomenal transitions and others that think yeah. they can make the transition. Yeah. And then we've learned that uh, they literally can't get out of that lane. Yeah. And that every, you got, you, sometimes you are going to have to uh, rinse out the coffee mugs because that's just how the world works. Right. I mean, that, that my first couple of weeks, I come walking in. Uh, I was in the military, so I was used to early. I come in early and Don Brown's taking out the trash. Right. 
Like, all right, I'm in the right environment. Yeah, it's such yeah. a good So metaphor, we, right? we also put people through five or six interviews. Oh, okay. So and long process. Yeah. yeah. And I start every one of my interviews with like, the, you're interviewing us as well. Like you should be plumbing for the consistency Yes. In the message that you receive. Because if, if you don't see it, I want to know what, what what's inconsistent. Yep. Um, but you, we want you to love being here. Because mm. if you don't, a year from now, or even six months from now, someone's going to be disenchanted by the, the, the setting, the job. And you're either looking for a new job, and then so now you're not focused on your work, or we're looking to replace you. Mm. So let's make sure it's a win all the way around. Before we wrap up, you mentioned internships. I didn't really get to hear that as much. Like, give me your thought on that. Yeah. That um, you're you're keying, keying in on that? I am. And, and I don't care if it's paid or unpaid. Yeah. Like the, you know, I guess you could say the unpaid means that they're more passionate, but not necessarily. Right. I had to make money during the summer I was or say, I wasn't going to school. Same. Yeah. So. Um, not, I was fortunate my parents were going to pick up. I, the rule for me was I shouldn't have said same. Just to clarify, the rule was no matter where I went to college, I had to pay for a year. Okay. Yeah. That was the rule. And then I got a, some money to play lacrosse. Yeah. And my dad was like, that year doesn't count. Wow. <laughs> so I always had, they were like, you're going to have debt. You have skin in the game. You're going to have debt, right? Yep. And then they were like, by the way, no spending money. Yeah. So that was that was it for me. Like my summers were like, how much money can I put away to budget yeah. through the rest of the year? But yeah. so, so that's you're working so, double shifts and doing that during the summer. Hundred percent. Like if there's an extra, you know, I used to work on Monday through Friday and then caddy on the weekends because yeah. it was like free cash to stock yeah. away. So exactly. Yeah. So I worked um, at a glass factory. Yeah. Because I could make the most money there, and I got double shifts all the time. Yep. Had to, I wouldn't be able to go to school. Mm. So, but that's fine if that's what you did. I want to know why you did. Why that. you did it. Um, I want to know, did you interact with any of the boss? Like, did you get special opportunities because you were a hard worker? Yes. Those kinds of, tell me about it. Like, tell me about the challenges you, you found while you were doing that. Mm. Um, and if you ask people, usually they, and, and they're, you know, they're quality individuals that they can pull those answers up. They may have to think about it for a second, but they can sort of say, you know what? Yes, I did this. Right. Or I ran into this situation, and this is how I kind of helped solve it. I was mm -hmm. really happy at the end of this um, because what I suggested contributed to us moving forward. You start to see what makes them go. And that, that's the whole thing about the internship. You can see what makes them go. Yes. I, I feel like the main the thing we've come back to is that you really uh, – Many things that we've talked about interviewing internships, uh, your life, mm -hmm. right? It's like the what is nice, yeah. but the why you did it is what you try to get yep. to in everything. Yep. That was a, a why would be the purpose uh, is probably the, the one thing I think is the most important thing to help someone find is what is your purpose, right? Because if you have purpose, there's really nothing that can stop you, which is how we started, right? Move yeah. with purpose. I agree, Move with Bri. Yeah. 57 minutes Jeez. in, dude. Ugh. I told you it would fly. Thanks yep. so much for coming on, man. And uh, best of luck to you and your... Oh, this is awesome. And Don. Really Both Dons, really. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Take care, man. Cheers.